Hey everyone, welcome to Between Us, the podcast that dives deep into the inner workings of our relationships in order to help you live a more authentic and meaningful life. I'm your host, Shadman. On the show today, I'm super excited to be chatting with a longtime friend of mine, Himakar Nagam. Himakar Nagam is currently a second year medical student at UC Irvine. He is currently interested in the space of mental health, specifically with regards to medical education, as well as caring for children with chronic illnesses and mental health illnesses. Himakar, so glad to have you here on the show today. Chad, thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate you coming on, I think, for the audience, giving them a little bit more context. So Himakar and I, we went to college together, and he actually has his own podcast called On Call, in which he and a friend of his from medical school, they interview medical students around the country to kind of give insight towards the medical medical school application process and just generally what the med school is like for those who are interested in, you know, the pre-health pre-med fields going into undergrad and giving them insight into what medical school will look like if they're interested in pursuing a particular school. And, and when I saw that gout release, I, I was always interested in, you know, getting into the podcasting space. And so I kind of hit up Himakara last year, uh, a couple, couple of months, I think in summer of last year, and, mm-hmm. and asked him a couple of questions. He was kind of like a good ins- inspirational force towards me even starting this podcast. And and so I'm super glad that we're getting a chance to sync up. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. I know Himakar, you've been super busy with med school and everything. <laughs> so um, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we get the most out of this conversation today. But uh, nonetheless, today I, I'm really interested in kind of speaking about mental health with you because I know you've been a huge proponent for mental health, speaking out on it, and you know just really understanding the art and the science that goes into the into the aspect of mental health because I think a lot of times a lot of folks including myself really just look at the scientific approach to mental health and don't understand that there's an artistic approach as well and I'm curious since you're in you know the medical field you know understanding the science behind it but also your own personal journey your own understanding of how to manage the science and the art and before we go ahead and go on for the listeners or for the viewers I just want to put a disclaimer out there that both him and Colonel I, anything that we say here isn't considered medical advice. This is just speaking from our own personal experiences. So please do consult your own health practitioner for your own personal circumstance. But nonetheless, I'm super excited to be speaking with you today. And so before we go ahead and dive on in, I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about your introduction to mental health and kind of how did you first approach it when you started realizing that this is such a huge aspect of our livelihoods? Yeah, first of all, um, you know, thanks so much for all the kind words. Um, I, I'm really happy that you're doing this podcast and uh, that uh, we could both, you know, help each other out. And I think also to you uh, being so enthusiastic about it, about wanting to do it, made me want to do my podcast more as well. So appreciate all the kind words uh, with regards to that. Um, and in terms of mental health, your question was in terms of like, how did I first approach it or how did I first realize it was something important, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think back in undergrad, I, uh, I realized that it, it was more, more so a long-term thing where I realized that I had to develop things because I knew that my career is going to be a very stressful one that there are going to be a lot of challenges that are in my path. And so I told myself I had to set up some practices or some best, you know, 
some measures so that I can prevent myself from burning out. And so I can just maintain my general sense of happiness. Cause I know there are definitely a lot of times like both in undergrad and in medical school where, you know, I'm just studying so much and I just get really burnt out and really stressed out from it. So I think the first thing was that just the sense of awareness of like, Hey, I need to like do something in my life to prevent my mental health from deteriorating. And then the other thing too, is I guess like looking around at other people, it's really nice that mental health is starting to be very destigmatized and obviously there's a long way to go. But I think that there are a lot of movements to promote better mental health. And I think, you know, therapy and seeing a psychiatrist and all these sort of things are becoming way, way more normalized now. And so I think that was, you know, in part because of other, what other people had done for the whole space that really um, motivated me and showed me that this is like something important and something that not only I and you, but something that everybody really should start investing some time into. No, yeah, definitely. I, I remember back in undergrad, even specifically, it's such a weird time because you're trying to figure out so many different aspects of your life, like understanding your social life and combining that with academics and, you know, figuring out a career, what happens after, you know, your undergrad career is over. There's so many different ideas that are inundating your mind. And that goes on top of all the other information that you're getting constantly, you know, viewed at towards you as a result of, you know, all these different social media platforms, different news outlets and trying to, especially in the past year, what we've had to experience is really just been a been a downer in a sense but also just really more so trying to process everything there's just so much that the mind can handle at one given moment and i think yeah like right now with a lot of companies they're starting to really invest into the mental well-being of their workforce ensuring that you know there are these mental health resources in the form of you know therapy or providing some sort of resource that they can go to because everyone knows now kind of how the world is completely transformed upside down and it's gone to a a more 24 seven type of model. There's no kind of delineation though. I know in the, you know, you being in medical school, it's, it's 24 seven, 365. So always a grind. <laughs> it's always a grind. So hopefully, you know, like you were mentioning, you were able to find those outlets. You were able to find those kind of measures, those uh, different activities that have been able to help you prevent yourself from burning out. And, you know, I, I'm curious with when it comes to, these types of practices, there's, there's a lot of different practices that are very well known when it comes to like journaling, meditation, breathing exercises that, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are really huge proponents for, but for some individuals, it doesn't really work. There's like the science behind these different practices, but it doesn't work for them. And, and it's frustrating because it's like, why doesn't this work for me? And, it, and it's the idea. And I think it's still just kind of carrying on the conversation on mental health forward, understanding the more personalized specific situation each and every individual goes through. And I don't know, I'm kind of curious to understand from your perspective, how do you think individuals can kind of better assess their own personal circumstance to and develop a plan for their mental health if like these more common mental well-being practices don't work for them? Yeah, I think, uh, and I think that's a really good question. Um, I think that a lot of things may not work for people, maybe because, well, yeah, obviously everybody's really different. But I think one thing is, for instance, um, I know a lot of people, for instance, really don't like therapy because maybe in a, of a bad experience with a therapist or maybe they just haven't gone along with the right therapist. And even I myself, I think I originally was somebody who really didn't like therapy, but I think that's because I had somebody who I didn't really exactly like. So I think part of it's also... Um, 
in addition to using these more common resources, it's about finding that fit for you and finding and exploring and seeing like, um, sure, it may be, maybe not have worked with this one person, but maybe it might work with somebody else. And like you said, too, I know there's a lot of very common things that people do out there, meditation, um, therapy. But I think there's so much else that has not been, you know, done so much research on. For instance, we learned about something called guided imagery last week uh, in school. And there's not too much um, evidence on that because it's not um, it's not something increasingly uh, aware to people at the moment. But I think that's something that people should start looking into. And I know that's something that's used for a lot of people with like chronic pain and other chronic conditions. Uh, in addition to those things, I know you also mentioned journaling too. I think honestly, mental health comes down to like just trying out, giving, being different things and being open and having an open mind and trying to incorporate different things in your life and seeing how that affects your mood. So I don't know, people like, for instance, like something that I picked up last year was like drawing. And I, I know somebody suggested to me like, oh, like uh, you should start drawing. And I said, oh, I haven't really done that in a very long time. But sometimes it actually really helped me out in terms of really relieving my stress. Um, so if you have like an iPad or like if you like have like a digital device, maybe you can download an app on it called Procreate or like you use other things. And then also something else you could, something else that I've been trying to, try out or with myself and other people too is like um something called motivational interviewing um and there's also some evidence for this stuff too in terms of um you know for instance one thing is that we're off like people don't really like to be told what to do like for instance with our patients we don't we don't like to tell them hey like you should go do like this amount of amount of exercise per week or even for people with mental health it's like hey you should go do therapy right Mm -hmm. but then if you you can ask them and say like um say like oh like why like what do you think you can add to your life which could really enhance it right it gets the people start thinking and like has their own internal motivation to start coming up and, and like seeing like oh like you know maybe there's these things that i can do that would really make my um make me enjoy my life more so getting people to i guess like question question and really look inwards and um really start assessing their goals and like maybe, you know, you can consult somebody about how to be best reach those goals too. But um, yeah, those are the, those are the few ways I think um, it gets in a non-scientific way, which I would, which I approach mental health personally. Mm, so with that motivational kind of interview technique, is, is that something that therapists can kind of help you with? Or is that something that you, you, you personally sought out with like maybe personal friends of yours and those that, and just having those conversations to understand, you know, what is it that drives you? What is it that you deep down really feel about different circumstances, different types of events and kind of how have you been able to navigate that and then been able to then use that individual's experience and their own motivate their own. Yeah, I guess their experience to then inspire you to then think, oh, maybe I should ask myself these questions. And then maybe they even ask you that question directly back. Like, how have you approached that motivational interviewing technique? I think that's a super interesting technique. Yeah, I, um, I think it's, it, it starts with, with both. You can, if, if it's something you're really not too familiar with, maybe you can go to a therapist and start out with that. But I think once you start getting the technique down, you can start asking yourself those questions. Or like you said too, like maybe your friends can start asking you those questions or you both can start asking those things. Like for instance, like one thing that we, so for us in medical school, I think that it's very easy for us to often lose sight of like, why are we here? And like, 
you know, why are we actually doing this? Because we're so deep in the, in the study grind. Mm -hmm. So one thing we often ask ourselves is like, why are we doing medicine in the first place? Right. Why are you here? That sort of thing. It's like, it it sort of realigns your focus and realigns your perspective of like, oh, this is like actually why I really want to do this. Um, And those sort of like small, simple questions, honestly, really just um, help you keep you attuned to, to um, what are the bigger things in life? And I guess like, what are the bigger motivations that are keeping you going? Right, right. I love that. Is there, do you like keep up like posters or any kind of visual kind of imagery of the actual motivation itself? Because I know that for some folks that you can keep it in your mind, but sometimes it it just, it it has a greater significance, greater weight to it when you actually have it visually like on a wall in your room or something. Have you found that, that that's been helpful to kind of visually have some sort of writing to it, like a physical piece of paper or something versus it just being in your mind? Yeah, for for me at least, I think the way that I do it is by journaling. Um, I definitely write myself write stuff down in terms of like like why why am I happy today or like why why am I here today or something like that. So I think like writing it down can help for Pete for me. And I know even for myself, I used to have like a poster up in my dorm like <laughs> my freshman year mm-hmm. of high of college, and I was like, you know, like why do you want to pursue this career? Like why do you want to do this today? So I think uh, visual cues or even writing it down can definitely be helpful for some people and. Um, I would definitely encourage people to look it up on YouTube or, um, you know, start asking questions themselves if that's something they really want to look into. Because I think it's something that's really powerful, something that's not really known too much about, I think. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And kind of going back to that, um, I forget what you said it was called, that, that graphic imagery technique of learning kind of visually, if you draw something or you see a picture, how does that mentally stimulate you? you know, can you kind of go a little bit deeper into that technique? Yeah. Gu- guided imagery is essentially just like, um, it's, it's essentially just about picturing yourself in, in sort of like in a different world in, in which you are now, for instance, like there, there was one patient we learned about who like, it was something so simple where he's dealing with a very, uh, a condition where he's just in a lot of pain all, all the time. But he just sits back and he tries to image himself like, you know, being a kid, playing around, like doing anything, like floating around in the sky, stuff like that. Those sort of like mental images or mental cues really helped to take him away from the actual physical pain that he was experiencing in that moment. Um, so, again, there are prompts and stuff like that of like, you know, uh, of things to think about or ways to get that imagery going in your head. But that's also something that people can look into. And I think that's something that's um, picking up a little bit more steam these days. Mm, Okay, so it sounds kind of similar to the idea of visualization technique, just being able to visualize a more positive or um, optimistic kind of future state in order to kind of help alleviate some present suffering that you're going through. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, if if people are interesting, like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like scripts that people can look up. So I would look up guided imagery scripts and like for instance like one that i'm like looking at right now it's like literally talking about um just like picturing yourself like being on a beach and that sort of imagery for some people really helps take them away from the the stresses of maybe where they are in the moment maybe they're not able to be on a beach or maybe they want to be on one but it sort of lets you your mind sort of take you into that moment or take you into that environment so that's something that also people can look into interesting interesting Got it. So, so all these different techniques, you know, this guided imagery technique, you know, therapy, journaling, 
all, all these techniques, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious as someone in the healthcare space, you know, what have you found are some resources that and practices that you think people can can get as well as incorporate into their lives to better manage their mental health, especially after, you know, the year that we've gone through? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and it's so interesting because I feel like they don't even talk about the stuff too much in school itself. It's a lot of the stuff that I've had to look into or slash talk to doctors about informally, but it's not a lot of it is like stuff that I've received in formal education because it's not formally tested too much. Um, and I think that's something that has to change in the medical system personally. But um, anyway, that's a rant for a different day. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the actual resources that provide for people, um, I know, you know, I think people often receive a, like a, a recommendation to do meditation and some people just like write it off or like maybe just like think like it's not really um, something that's that useful. but. Meditation is something that really helped me out when I was really stressed out last year. Um, and the first time that I realized that was when my classmates did some guided meditations. Um, there's a UCLA, there's a uh, UCLA webpage, UCLA guided meditations, and they have a few of those um, sort of prompts, like I was saying. And I guess those sort of things and like even that and like Headspace and Calm, these mental health apps, these are all really good um, apps for just sort of like taking your mind away from the present uh, from taking your mind away from the stresses of like what's going on in everyday life and just sort of being more present and being in that moment. And I think that's something that's really helped a lot, a lot in terms of um, if you would like to seek therapy, there's um, a few services that I, I personally use myself. Um, Psychology today is great for like trying to find out a therapist for yourself based on like certain features that you're trying to work on. And um, something else that's also come up is called better help. Um, I don't know too much about it, but, um, it's been something that's been popping up recently. Um, let's see the other things I would, I would recommend. Oh yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's like, I guess something that is not really too known about it's cognitive behavioral therapy is basically just assessing the relationship between your feelings, thoughts, and behaviors and how they all are interplaying with each other. So I think there are like maybe like apps where you can get connected to somebody who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's something that also uh, people can look, look into. And that's something that's also evidence based in terms of helping out people with anxiety, depression, uh, and other mental health uh, topics. I, uh, some other things too, it can be very simple. So exercising, going out for a run. Um, something that we learned about in med school is like Tai Chi. We had, we literally had a class mm -hmm. on like, yeah, on like Tai Chi and how that helps out with, um, your stresses. You can even do other things too, like acupuncture, whatnot. Um, like I said, coloring, going out in nature. Um, I think these are the few, uh, resources. And then, and then, like I said too, the stuff with the motivational interviewing, looking up the questions that you can start asking yourself or the process of how to get into motivational interviewing, I think that might actually benefit a lot of people. Great, great. I'm so glad that you shared all these resources. I think, yeah, one of the one of the big things, even kind of speaking from my personal experience, is just being open to all of the different options and resources you have out there. Like there is no one size fits all approach to the to your personal mental well being. It's always a journey and just figuring out the different types of practices or measures that really work for you. Like I remember when I first started meditation, I'm like, this doesn't work for me. Like this I, doesn't I work, just, right? <laughs> it just makes me, it just makes me think even, even more and harder on the, all the different stress factors that are going on. And like, I'm like, I'd rather not do it because it makes me even more stressed. Yeah. I don't know why, but, um, over time it has helped. So, um, it, it does work for some individuals, but also just exploring other different 
other different resources, you know, being a little bit more like that motivational interviewing technique. I I think I've Mm kind of done that with friends. And I think maybe that's just enhanced my experience with meditation going back to it. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense now because I have some more clarity in another arena, another specific avenue when it comes to managing your mental well-being. So being open to the different options, I think is such a such an important facet. And I think all the resources that you shared are going to give the listeners and the viewers so many different options to choose from. So so I really appreciate that you shared all those resources and techniques. And yeah, that, that, that I, I think that's the one thing I wanted to really harp on was that like, I think it's like, I know it's these things are not for everybody. And like, there's obviously so many different things to do. What I would encourage for everybody is to at least try, like, be open to it, try it out for a bit. And like, if it doesn't work for you, I think that's fine. But, mm-hmm. um, like, like you said, it's about, it's a matter of just like adding things out, taking things out and adjusting it as needed. So I think that's what, uh, I guess you're getting at in terms of a, an artistic approach. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many things that are right. science, the quote unquote science or evidence ba- ba- based, but those things don't necessarily work for everybody. Right. Exactly. I mean, our, our brains, our bodies, they're all, made differently and so as a result you know science can provide you know a really great foundation to understand you know there are kind of tried and true practices that do work for a lot of individuals but at the same time like it's it goes to the same idea of like you know if you wanted to you know get into shape or like when it comes to like the health like the actual physical health and industry and when it comes to like fitness in general and dieting no one size fits all approach works there either it's because your body processes things in a different manner and so the same thing mm-hmm. applies to the mind i don't know why the mind. that there's yeah. a disconnect between you know if it doesn't work in the health and fitness industry the physical health and fitness industry why doesn't that same idea kind of gain traction when it comes to mental health so you know that's a really great parallel and i i think that like all the resources that you've shared once again are really great starting points for individuals and i hope that individuals do start to seek out these different opportunities and different avenues because especially Especially now, I think I'm really glad, like you mentioned, that the conversation around mental health is getting destigmatized, but there's still a lot of work to go and you're definitely going to be kind of leading the way. I know that you're a huge proponent for it and being able to develop more re- more resources, doing more research behind different practices and techniques. So I'm kind of, I'm really excited actually and optimistic to kind of see where it goes forward from here. And so I know you're super busy, <laughs> super busy with med school, so I don't want to take up too much more of your oh, time. You're, you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> so what what I do at the end of each and every single one of my episodes is this final segment called the three keys to relationships, where I ask guests three questions to gauge their insight on relationship management. And these are questions that pertain to any and all relationships. So friends, family, romantic partners, business colleagues, what have you. And these aren't quick fire questions either. So I'm really curious to hear you expand on each of these. And so the f- the first question I have is, what's your number one relationship red flag? No, actually, so I was looking over the um, the schedule for this call, and this is I think this is the section that I actually was super excited about. I'm actually really glad you do this. Um, so I thought about it a lot. I think one of the um, one of the red flags, I guess, is um, I, I think maybe it's something that I that maybe is not talked about enough, or at least not with my friends, but. I think the ability to um, to get along with somebody's friends, I think that's a it's a huge red flag for me. I think if so, if if for instance, like if they can't get along with my friends, or if I can't get along with their friends, I think it reflects in terms of um, there being maybe some sort of disconnection values, or like 
maybe some disconnect in how somebody portrays themselves to other people, like sort of like some fakeness, maybe. So I think that's something that I actually has been really concerning or increasingly concerning for me as as I um, you know start getting back into dating again is like, can I get along with their friends? And mm. if I don't get along with their friends, then maybe this is not the right person for me. Right. That's such an interesting idea because your friends oftentimes are a pretty good reflection of what it is that you value yourself. But I've even had this issue back. I remember specifically back in undergrad where it's like, I, 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 I coined this term called this dual actors mentality idea where there's kind of two facets of your personality, one that is your true inner value system and one that you portray to portray in your social circles. Um, mm-hmm. Or when you're first trying to get into different social circles, when you're brand new to a particular environment, whatever the case may be. And so, like you're mentioning, there's that disconnect as a result. You know, how do you portray yourself to your friends? This isn't what I know you to be. So do I truly know you as a result? You know, what are you exactly. showing me versus what you're showing your friends? I can't really put all the pieces together here. So that's a super interesting idea. Like how, how, so you, you've, as a result, started kind of weeding those individuals out or just trying to, or do you do something like that motivational interviewing technique where you ask them, like, what are your deep down values? And then maybe they start to question. It's kind of almost like a reverse psychology approach to <laughs> this whole thing, but does it help maybe help you strengthen those bonds that you have? Cause you want to keep those friends, but you're also just hesitant of the friends that that friend has. Yeah. I, yeah, honestly, I think if anything, it gives me a, gives me a better sense of who they are. Um, and, and, you know, I guess like it's, it's not really in terms of just like weeding out somebody, but it's, in, it's just in terms of like, um, getting to know them in a better sense. Cause I feel like I, you know, when I get to interact with somebody on a one-on-one basis, there's, um, there's like a certain aspect, like I, I understand like certain aspects to them. Right. But I think when they're, when I see them interacting with other people, I learn so many other aspects of their personality that Mm-hmm. I either may or may not like, right? But I think it's just crucial to developing an overall better picture of who is who like this person I'm dating, like who are they really? Um so I, I it's not like I really a- ask them like, you know, like how like how are your friends or something like that. I sort of like take a mental note of like like what is this person saying about their friends or how are they talking about them? Like are they talking bad behind about their back? like talking bad about them behind their back or like, are they praising them or like what kind of stories do they have to tell that they've done with their friends? And so it's like those sort of things that give me a better picture of like who somebody is. And like, you know, I guess gives me a better sense of like, do I really like want some, if the person treats their friends this way or has these kind of friends, like would I really want them to treat me and my friends the similar way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that that's such an interesting, interesting idea. That disconnect that that potentially could be. So, so the second question I have, I guess, is a little bit more of a converse to that first mm-hmm. question. Uh, what's the most underrated quality then, when it comes to relationships, in your opinion? Um, and I, th- I think we are. I think is this something that I really, um, I, I, I mean, I talked about a lot today when it came to mental health, but I think the sort of sense of being open to things, being open to new experiences, being open to like new ideas, um, being willing to like go along with things and sort of be adapt. And I think that's like something that, um, that is really nice about people because it's like, I, I, I mean, you and I are so different from when we both, both started undergrad. Right. And we're mm-hmm. both very different people now. Right. 
And so in terms of having a partner who's going to like, you know, stay with us for majority of our lives, at least it's like, we're going to be doing a lot more changing in that time. And so I think, you know, even them too, like, you know, they're, they'll be changing a lot too. So I think it's important that somebody's willing to adapt and change and be open to those changes that are happening in our lives. Because if somebody who's like rigid and like, you know, I guess like not really, you know, very stubborn, I guess, they'll be less likely to want those changes. And then as a result, there's going to be a lot of disconnect, a lot of tension, like things won't be happy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I at least start to look out for a lot more too, is like, is this person open to to me changing or new experiences or or stuff like that? Like, if they don't like something before, like, are they open to, you know, trying it out with me or something like that? That that means a lot, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and really the the biggest portion of growth comes from that openness as a result of you know embarking on new experiences new ventures and because that's that's just a cue as to internally you want to experience growth on a personal level is that individual willing to do the same with you mm-hmm. otherwise you're like you're mentioning you're on different wavelengths as a result mm-hmm. if, you, if that individual is a little bit more stubborn and not trying to adapt to their ways and that relationship is supposed to be a team as well you know if you can't work together as a team and try and work towards a certain goal together, then, you know, is that a relationship that is potentially going to last, like you were mentioning, like for the long haul? And maybe it may not be the case. So being open, I think this time really has kind of opened people's eyes up a little bit more to becoming more open. So I, I mm-hmm. hope that as a result, individuals, especially kind of bringing it back to mental health, people are more open to speaking on the topic, to exploring different avenues to manage their mental well-being. And then the most important thing at the end is to then share their experience with others because, you know, everyone, the idea was that, you know, you go through this alone, but in reality, you don't. And more and more individuals are coming up and speaking out on their experience. You know, some really influential individuals that you would have never thought went through this type of experience. But when they kind of speak on it, you realize this is a universal Universal experience. It's a universal thing. Exactly. And everyone everyone goes through it to a certain extent, you know, it's obviously a different personalized experience for everyone. But knowing that everyone has gone through some, some idea of a mental challenge, mental health challenge, you can get gain some reassurance that you can get out of this funk that you're in, you can, you know, experience a happier, more well lifestyle. So being open. Yeah, I really love that really love that idea. And I hope that individuals are, are really starting to incorporate that type of lifestyle change into their lives now into their lives yeah exactly and so the third and final question i have is what would you say or consider if you don't have one already your own mantra or slogan for relationship management so to give context this podcast centers itself around the idea that we don't make relationships but we make relationships better so i'm curious you know what would your slogan or mantra be and this can be for relationships or even just life in general uh, I think it, it applies to both relationships and life, but I think this uh, one thing is uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of times in uh, in dating and in relationships, honestly, where we avoid things because we don't want to, you know, really upset the other person or like, because it's like a touchy topic. Like, you know, like maybe your partner does something that you don't appreciate, but you're like, ah, you know, I, I'm just going to leave it off until another time or, you know, something like that where where it's like there's you know there's gonna be tension but maybe you just Mm -hmm. like don't want to to, to, you know sort of save the peace 
But I think the one thing that I, at least I've really realized recently that I've been trying to incorporate in both in my, you know, dating relationships, but also my like friends and other relationships too, is that like those sort of conversations where it's like an uncomfortable thing to talk about, or like maybe it's like not going to rub somebody the right way. Ultimately, by talking about it and like having that open communication and just like letting each other know, like, how do you feel about this? Like, let's, let's try to work it out. Like, like that ability, the mutual ability to, to want to work something out. Um, and the willingness to be uncomfortable as a result of that conversation, I think ultimately just results in better understanding and better relationships in general, because it's like, then you don't have those like awkward little, um, you know, barriers in between you, between you and whoever else you can, you know, sort of, you know, take down, um, take down your mask sort of, and like, you know, really sh- show who you truly are to somebody else and, you know, be vulnerable mm-hmm. and, as a result, I think people will appreciate that and, you know, people will value more for for the willingness to be able to go into those uncomfortable situations and those vulnerable situations. So I think that's one thing that I have tried to really embrace myself in the last year. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's such a important and, you know, useful saying to live by, you know, both on a personal level, you know, in terms of exploring yourself, your career you know, your own life experience at large, and then your own relationships. I think one of the key things kind of harking back to, I guess it kind of touches on both personal and relationships is the fact that if you're not willing to be uncomfortable and, you know, and broach those topics that may cause some tension, you know, it's going to bubble up at one point or Mm -hmm. another. And because like you were mentioning, you're going to change as a result as time goes on. And so, you know, you're just going to further further elongate that disconnect that, that's already yeah. there potentially and so w- once there's so much distance you know it, it's not really reconcilable at, at at one point or another so if you're able to kind of i guess kind of figuratively like if the if the disconnect's only like this you work it out now you can close that gap and you close can work it, together yeah. you can work together whereas like as time progresses the disconnect grows 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 it's harder to close that gap and then next thing you know mm. the relationship may not serve you any longer so you know being uncomfortable it's cliche, but it's super true when it comes to relationships in yourself. And, and so I'm super glad you brought up that point. And I know him and Cart, you know, this has been a great conversation. I'm so excited to see what you're going to go on and do in the mental health space and just the medical space at large. You know, like I, I mentioned to you, you know, the various encounters we've had back at undergrad, you know, I've admired you from afar for such a long time, you know, everything that you've been doing and how you bring communities and, you know, groups of people together. So um, I, I really appreciate everything that you shared here today. And and just a, 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 once again, you know, folks, you know, him and Carr and I, we just gave our own personal experiences. I want to make sure that nothing that we've said is construed as medical advice. Like, please do consult your own uh, healthcare practitioner for your own mental health journey. Um, these are just advice and tips that we can share from our own personal experience and working with friends of ours. But please do consult your own healthcare practitioner. So, Hey, Makar, this has been super wonderful. You know, I want to leave some time here at the end if you wanted to share any other lasting messages. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess a, a few things specifically. I know that everything is going on with COVID and I wanted to talk about that uh, specifically too. Mm-hmm. So a, a few a few things that I think really would benefit people or help people out, um, at least that have helped me out personally. One is, I think, you know, limiting the amount of news that you consume or the amount of news that you watch, right? Um, we're so mm-hmm. inundated with the negativity all the time from the mass media. And 
I think that really um, contributes to really getting us down. So I would encourage everybody to, you know, try to limit that if possible. And, and on a similar length too, I think for me, like I've gotten off all social media recently, honestly, because I think it was really contributing to my poor mental health as of late. I think if anything, people should take a break. Um, and, you know, if not a permanent, uh, you know, reduction of like Instagram or Facebook or something, I think even a small break would really help put things in perspective for people of like, you know, what are the real things that really matter in life? Um, other than that, I would say, you know, keep a daily routine. Um, and I think one thing that's also helped me out is like, you know, try to get your eight hours of sleep every night, you know, and one thing that my, um, psychiatrist told me was, you know, getting eight hours of sleep doesn't mean sitting, sitting in bed for eight hours of sleep or for just eight hours. It means maybe a little bit more because it takes time to go to sleep. Maybe mm -hmm. you might wake up in the middle of the night. So try to get those eight hours. And I think that might help out a lot too. But yeah, I guess th those are the few things that I wanted to say at the end. Um, I hope any, all this stuff really helps people. Um, and honestly, also thank you, Shad, for having me on today. This is great. I really enjoy what you're doing. And I think that ultimately this podcast and your entire um, endeavor in itself is really going to help people out in their relationships, in their personal life. Um, and I really hope it just helps improve quality of life for people. And I, I really think it will. And I really enjoy the, the movement that you're trying to support and encourage here. So thanks for having me on today. And I, I appreciate you so much, man. No, thank you so much, Himakar. I mean, like I mentioned, you were a big inspiring force from the from the get go. When I first had this idea in mind, I I know I was bugging you quite a bit in terms of uh, like dude, different different things, <laughs> trying to set it up. But um, nonetheless, I'm so glad to have had you here on the show. You know, this has been such a such an important topic. I've been meaning to speak on for quite a while, and you know, you were the first individual that came to mind when I thought of this topic. And you know, for for folks who are interested in the medical field, Himakar has his own podcast on call. You can learn more about different medical schools around the nation if you're going through the process and you're interested in learning about the different medical schools that are out there. If you're trying to navigate your own career in the medical field, and similarly, like I hope that you know we can do this again. I know you, I know you're down in SoCal. I'm in, in SoCal as well, so hopefully we can maybe oh, kind yeah. of meet 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 up in person, you know, once this whole pandemic is past us. But you know, him and car, this has been great and I'm so glad to have had this opportunity. Hey, thank you so much, Chad. I appreciate you all of your time and uh love what you're doing. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, everyone. Remember, we don't make relationships. We make relationships better. <laughs>